Father, as this country, as this globe, as this sphere sets itself to a time to acknowledge an event. Father, we who are called by your name know the event. We know why. We know what happened. And yet, Lord, you call us to draw to that. And yet, Lord, you call us to move beyond that. So as we look at history, as we look at the past, Father, may we embrace the present and the future. Knowing as you have taken care of us, taken care of your people in the past, let us rest with full assurance that you will conclude it to your glory and to your praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father of Jesus. Thank you who spoke existence into being and maintain it by the grace of your hand. Teach us tonight. Help us to see. Help us to draw. In Christ's name, amen. I've been asked in the past, um, <clears throat> when you look at Scripture, you see two different events. You do literally see two different events. One event is the choices and decisions of man. And don't get me wrong, man makes decisions. Okay? Given information, man makes decisions. It's um, what I call cause and effect. I do this because of that. Uh, if, you know, if somebody throws an inside curve to you, the cause will have an effect. Get out of the way. Okay? Uh, you, you don't have somebody throw an inside curve to you and you lean into it. Somebody throws you a curve, you back out of the way. All right? It's cause and effect. Um, and yet, when I watch man, it is very obvious of his abilities. I mean, don't, I don't want to downplay the ability of man. Man is amazing. But when I watch God... His ways are not our ways. His plans are not our plans. His power is too vast for us to grasp. And we all sit and smile. It's Christmas. And we smile at each other. <laughs> it's Christmas. I don't understand it. Okay? But in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word that you hear there, the Word is the word we get Logos from. And we had little computer programs. I have the Logos Bible study and stuff like that. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the word means logic. And so you and I sit around and we try to ascertain stuff by logic. Okay. But in the beginning was logic. Logic was with God. Logic was God. Okay. So, <clears throat> what does that make man? Well, we were creating his image. Yeah, I'm thinking we were on the backside. But anyway, um, we were creating his image. Do we have the ability to logically come to conclusions? Absolutely. But how many times are they logical conclusions? When it comes to man making decisions and God's sovereignty... Um, I get myself into trouble with this because I tell people that I understand both. But when I get perplexed over it or I become stressed over it, when I stop, I, it don't make sense to me over it. I lean heavy to the sovereignty side. Why? Let me give you a couple of these. I, I, I fall, ended up last week's message with these. Genesis chapter 1 and 2. The world is created, and God said it is, no, he said it is very good, very good. Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve rebel, fall into sin, 
shame, fear, pain, toil, and death. So when you have this great good, it is followed by what? Man's decision. Noah is obedient in preparing for the flood in Genesis chapter 6, verse 13 through 22, and chapter 7, verse 23. He is obedient to what God has called him to in the survival that will come out of the ark. Cause and effect. Wow, that's totally cool, isn't it? In Genesis chapter 9, verse 20 through 25, he becomes drunk, falls into a stupor, runs around naked, embarrasses his son, and leads to the curse that falls on the land of Canaan. God's great good, followed by man's great evil. Noah. God delivers his people from the Egyptians in parting of the Red Sea in Exodus chapter 14, verse 21 through 31. Exodus 15, chapter 20, Exodus 15, verses 22 through 25. The people begin immediately complaining about the lack of water. He just parted the Red Sea and we ain't got no water. He heaped it up on both sides, it says. He heaped it up on both sides and we won't go nothing to drink. In Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 17, God gives 10 commandments to Moses. Live by these. Live by these. In chapter 32 of Exodus, verses 1 through 6, the people conclude... They need to worship a golden calf. God's great good followed by a great evil. Aaron and his sons are brought into what is classified and substantialized as spiritual leadership. You shall lead. You shall take my people and bring them to me. The priesthood. Leviticus chapter 9 verses 1 through 24. By Leviticus 10, 1 through 3, Aaron's two oldest sons offer contemporary worship. They offer what is called a profane fire. They offer worship in their ideology before the Lord and they are killed they are killed David affirms God's covenant with him in 2 Samuel chapter 6 you have a covenant it will be the throne of David 2 Samuel chapter 11 David commits adultery with Bathsheba and arranges for the murder of her husband, Uriah. Elijah triumphs over the prophets of Baal at Mount Carmel. 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 20 through 46. You remember that one. Burn up the offering, burn up the offering, burn up the offering, soak it with water, watch this. And then he flees from the wrath of Jezebel. And complains that God does not care for him. First Kings 19, 1-18. God blesses and man what? Shows his brilliance. Jonah proclaims repentance to the pagans of Nineveh. We're fighting in Nineveh, by the way. In case you, when you hear the word Anbar province... In Iraq, it is also encompassed in Anbar province is an area known as Nineveh. Some things just don't ever change, do they? Anyway, Jonah proclaims repentance to the pagans in Nineveh. Jonah chapter 3. 
Jonah chapter 4, Jonah expresses his disappointment and then that they repented. They repented. Can you believe it? And he complains about his comfort. And God grows a little bush and it grows up and puts a leaf comes over him and gives him shade. Matthew chapter 16, verse 16, Peter affirms that Jesus is the Messiah of God. The anointed of God, God's son. In sixteen, sixteen of Matthew. And in Matthew chapter 16, verse 22 and 23, Peter is rebuked by Jesus and called Satan. Why? Because he doesn't like God's plan. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 19, verse 28 through 40, Jesus enters Jerusalem to a cheering crowd. He comes rolling in to the Hosanna of the people of Jerusalem. And by the end of the week, in Luke 23, 13 through 49, they want him crucified and give us Barabbas. In Acts chapter 4, verses 36 and 37, Barnabas makes a deal on some real estate and he gives all the money from the sale of that real estate to the church. Chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, Ananias and Sapphira say, wow, that is totally awesome. And they lie to Peter and the Holy Spirit about how much money they sold their real estate for. Okay? I share that with you because that sets the stage for where I'm at now in Exodus. And everybody says, what in the world are you talking about? Does God provide? And we all sit here and say, yeah. Really? Do you truly, honestly believe that? Well, yeah, but you're just not. No, you're, you're missing it. How, when Jesus was asked by his disciples, teach us how to pray. Okay, don't teach us a prayer. Teach us how to pray. The first part of the prayer was the holiness of God. Okay, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, holy be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You really want that? Really want that? We all sit here tonight and we say, sure. Okay, you want the next one? What's the next line? The first thing that comes out of your mouth after you give the adoration to God, what should you say? I don't know. I got to remember it. But you know, our Father, our heaven, I'll be the name of What is it? Give us this day what? Snow! Because we're in a drought. How many in the body of Christ today in America go with that petition? Do you know what it means to say, give us this day our daily bread? That's the mundane, people. That's that stuff that that we do every day. I'm working this many hours so I can have what? My daily bread. How many of us say, Lord, give us our daily bread? Whoa! We're supposed to work. That's what it says. But how many of us go to work saying this is a sacrament to God? The ability to work. The privilege to work. Or how many of us go and say, well, I've got to get my daily bread. That's what this text is. And God says, I want to go back a ways and I want to show you that when it comes to the mundane, the non, the stuff that you and I just sort of take for granted, 
Who's in charge of it? It's like this. I watch people struggle with eating. You know, I have dietary issues. Why? Everything I see, I eat. And therefore, I'm not on a diet. Okay? But I just eat. Okay? But how many of us walk in light of give thanks and eat? We got the eat part down. How many of us give thanks? Most of us say, hey, thanks, Jesus. Let's eat. I want to show you this. Verse 13, chapter 16, book of Exodus. So it came about in the evening, quails came up and covered the camp in the morning in a layer of dew around the camp. Okay, do you know where they're at? They're in the wilderness. They're just outside of the area which would be known as Mount Sinai. And let me tell you something. This is some nasty places. Now, I've read this, and I've heard all kinds of explanations for this, but the psalmist in chapter 78, verses 17 through 25 says, in verse 27 specifically, this is a feathered bird. It's a bird. It is a quail. And then I hear him describe this. Well, you don't understand. They were migratory. And what had happened is they had flown north out of the tropicals. And then by the time they got to the Sinai Peninsula, they were wore out and they just landed. They landed that evening and the little Jews went out and throwed their little nets over it. Okay. Everybody knows that that's how it works. Yep. I agree. Amen. Still happens to this day. Here's the issue. It happens six days, it doesn't happen on the seventh day, and it does it for 40 years. Now that gives a whole new meaning to coincidence. Well, it was something else. I've heard manna described. We think it was granular droppings from insects. And it stuck on everything, and they could just pick it off of it, and there it was. I thought, well, there's an interesting. (laughs) Fire me up for breakfast. Okay? And again, I got to go back to this small problem. They only do it six days a week. They don't do it on the seventh day, and they only do it for 40 years. And it ain't been done since. Gosh, them Jews are lucky. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? You know what it is? It's God feeding His people. That's all it is. That is all it is. God feeding His people. Give us this day what? Our daily bread. That's all it is. And he says, you know what? It ain't like I haven't done this in the past. When the layer of the dew had evaporated, verse 14, and on the surface of the wilderness, there was a a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. Oh, that must be like uh, the excrement from bugs. I hear people try to describe it. You know what it was? I can tell you what it was. It was manna. <laughs> it was manna. God opened up the windows of heaven and he poured angel food on us. He did it in the morning. And in the afternoon and in the evening, he gave them what? Birds. A bunch of really tired birds who were migrating every six days for 40 years. Verse 15 says, when the sons of Israel saw, saw it, they said to one another, can I have a supersize? <laughs> I ate cheese of mine. They said, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is a bread which Yahweh has given them to eat. It is bread eat. 
This is what Yahweh has commanded. Gather it, gather of it every man as much as he should eat. Now watch what he says here. And you shall take an omer. You know who an omer is, right? Everybody says, yeah, I know an omer. It's about two quarts. Okay. He says, gather in an omer according to the number of persons each of you have in their tent. So get two quarts for your, everybody in your tent. The sons, sons of Israel did so. Some gathered much and some little. Okay, there's where it goes again. See what happened? God gives freebies and what happens? This, I really wish we would understand this. Because God said, here, get two quarts for everybody in your house. Yeah, two quarts for everybody in your house. Okay, you got two quarts for Bob and two quarts for Mary and two quarts for Billy Bob and and the old guy Omer in the back. Everybody gets two quarts. Why? Think about it. You're walking. Every day you're walking. During the day you're following the cloud. At night you're fi- you're camped around the fire. And what are you going to be doing while you're in the process? Burning energy. And he says, take two quarts for every one of you in the family. Very explicit. Gather two quarts. You don't need a lot. You don't need a little. Take two quarts. What is it? I don't know. But they didn't do it. It's the same as what you and I do. God says, do this. And what do we do? How important is this? Let me show you something. If you would, please. Here's my favorite text especially as a pastor, 2 Corinthians 8.15. 2 Corinthians 8.15. That would be on page 1856. Okay? I want you to all turn there because I want you to understand something here. God says, I will what? provide what your necessities i'm gonna take care of your little things i'm not gonna take care of your big things the big things are irrelevant if i can take care of what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink i'm figuring he can take care of your big things right those would be easy now then would you please read with me 8 15 what does it say as it is written as it is written. Okay, it's written. What's written? He who gathered much did not have too much. He who gathered little had no lack. Huh. What the heck is that got to do with the price of rice in China? It's easy. What's he quoting? Your next text in Exodus 16 is what he's quoting. Verse 18, it measured it with an omer, and he who gathered much had no access, and he who gathered little had no lack. Every man gathered as much as what? Should eat. Okay, what does the text in chapter 8 of Corinthians, what is the context? Do you know what the context is? I can tell you. Giving to the church. You can't outgive God. You can't steal from God. That's what he's saying. You give him to the church, and what happens? He takes care of you. You give too little, he still takes care of you. You give too much, he still takes care of you. That's the context of what Paul is teaching in first and second Corinthians. How can you outgive God? Is what he's basically saying. Can you? Let's read on. Moses said to them, let no man leave any of it until morning. Gather it all. Gather it all. But they did not listen to Moses. There's an interesting concept, huh? And Sam left part of it until morning. 
It bred worms. It became foul. And Moses was angry with them. Why? It goes beyond even that. God said, here it is. Gather what you need. God says, I will give you a court per person in your family. No worries. Two courts per person in your family. Okay? You know what that means? Some gathered too much. Some didn't gather enough because there's some left. Okay? So they weren't obedient. Then the spiritual leader that God had put in front of them, that God had placed there, had God had proved through them. You think about this. How many pastors today are preaching their brains out to people who won't pick up? I won't listen. Why? Why? I'm not sure he knows what he's talking about. I'm not sure that they're doing it right. I think I could do it better. And God says, I want you to pick up two courts per person in your family. And what happens to it? It becomes foul. And Moses says, you're not listening to me. If you do not listen to me, guess what? It's going to go south on us. It's going to go south on us. It ain't going to work. And that's what he's saying there. That is what, how it all starts. Let no man leave any. They did not listen to Moses. And some left part of it. It bred worms. Verse 21. <coughs> they gathered it morning by morning. Every man as much as he could eat. See, watch what he did. But when the sun grew hot... It would melt. All right, so you know what you're saying? They're just running around eating. They're going to the drive-up window for breakfast. But there was a process that God had already put in place. Will you be obedient to me? I am revealing myself to me, to you. I am showing you I will provide even for your minor needs. The things that you think, oh my God, what am I going to eat? I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. But you're going to do it my way. Verses 22 through 30, you show the provision of manna for the six days and a seventh day rest. Look what he says. Now it came about on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers, okay, for each one. And all the leaders of the congregations came and told Moses, well, we got a whole bunch, man. That's basically what they said. Verse 23, Then he said to them, This is what Yahweh meant. Tomorrow is the Sabbath observance. You know what that means, right? Set it aside to me. I don't need you to work no more. You know, it's... God doesn't give weekends. God gives one day off a week. He doesn't have two-day weekends. Because as soon as you get a two-day weekend, what's the next thing you want? Three-day. When do I get the four-day weekend? When the holiday falls on a Monday or Tuesday or Friday or Thursday, can I get more time off? All right, I just give you that. I showed it to you. What does the man say? I need this and this and this and this. Why? I'm important. It is a Sabbath observance, a holy Sabbath to Yahweh. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil and all that is left put aside to be kept until morning. Till morning. Till when? Sunday morning. So they put aside until morning as Moses had ordered and it did not become foul nor were there any worms in it. Now did you see what just happened there? They would leave it out on the ground and what would happen to it? Worms would become a part of it and it would stink. That's what it means when it says to be foul. But when they did it the way God said what happened, it became cheese. No, just kidding. It did. Golly, we read this one. Amen, brother. Amen, brother. Ain't that what we do? Let me ask you a question. Has God been faithful? I guess not, huh? Nobody acknowledged that. But you know what I've watched? We are not thankful for what God gives us. You know what's funny about this text? I don't see a 401k. 
I don't see a retirement fund. I don't see the stock market. I don't see man moving it out on his own. What do I see? God's provision when? Daily. Moment by moment by moment by moment. That's amazing to me. Verse 25, Moses said, eat it today, for today is the Sabbath. Why, he's giving it to you. You have enough for an extra day. Go figure. Coincidence. I, can you grab this? You got 2.2 million people camping in the armpit of the universe. You got that? And yeah, and they, and they don't have little snack packs or MRIs or sea rations or anything like that. They don't have anything. They took gold. They took silver. They got jewels. And they got all these things running around. And you can't eat any of them. And now they're out in the armpit of the universe. You can't grow a bush. I know this area. This area is awful. I mean, it makes the moon look lush. And you got two million people. What are we going to eat? Do you see what I'm trying to get at, Gatson? Wait a minute. I brought you out. If I can heap up the waters for you to cross on dry land and I bring a breeze down so that it ain't even muddy. And, oh, what about them plague things that got you released? Are you such a military power that you overthrew your enslavers? And we sit and go, what? I gotta go get my Christmas shopping done. How am I ever going to get this accomplished? You know what you say to the lost world? My God couldn't whip his way out of a wet paper bag. If it wasn't for my help, what would happen? Six days you shall gather. But on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there'll be none. I remember, uh, I grew up in Ohio. And uh, I remember going to Cleveland. If you've ever watched Howard the Duck, it's Cleveland. And the, I can't remember if it was the east or the west side of Cleveland, it was Jewish. Okay? Um, it shut down. On Saturdays, you can forget it. You ain't getting a loaf of bread. You ain't buying a cucumber. You ain't buying a car. You ain't getting liquor. You ain't getting nothing on Saturday. It's done. Nothing. Absolutely. I mean, it is. You it, You could have fired a cannon and not hit anybody. Because it was the Sabbath. It was the Sabbath. Verse 27 says, It came about on the seventh day that some of the people went out to gather, but they didn't find anything. I find that fascinating because people say, well, it was the bugs, and they were given granulars of things. And then in the evening, it was the quail. But on every Saturday... This migratory pattern stopped. And Yahweh said to Moses, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? Now, I want you to understand, what is his commandments and instructions at this point in life? Gather two courts in the morning and two courts in the evening of the quail for everybody that's in your house. That's the law of the Lord. That's not really complicated. That's a really thin Bible if you think about it. Right? 
And yet what had already started to happen? No, I don't know that. I don't want to do that. Why not? Let's move on. How long will you continue? Verse 29. See, Yahweh has given you the Sabbath, the day of rest. That's what Sabbath means, rest. Okay? Therefore, he gives you bread for two days on the sixth day. All right? So you can get a little more on Friday. Remain every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. Hang out. It is time to be with your family. It is time to rest. It is time to take a note. It is time to say, you know what? God has given me food on the mornings and the evenings for six days. I'm taking a break. Can you believe God is this good to me? Verse 30. I have people ask me, what does it mean, the Sabbath rest? It's verse 30. <laughs> it's verse 30. It ain't complicated. People rested on the seventh day. What does that mean? Take a break. Chill out. Why? I have provided all week long. Have you thanked me? Have you gathered it? Have you gathered it the way I had asked you to gather it? Verse 31. House of Israel named it manna. Okay? This stuff, this bug poop that everybody seems to think it is, they called it manna. What is manna? Bread of heaven, the psalmist calls it. Angel food cake. <laughs> That's what I'd call it. But man, it's easier. How important was it? It is so important that in the, when God said, here's the tabernacle, here is the Ark of the Covenant, do you know what they put in it? The busted Ten Commandments, Aaron's staff, that he kept lifting up, that Moses kept carrying around. Now everybody says, well, but it's, no, 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 no. Who was the spiritual leader of the country? Aaron. Who threw the staff down? Aaron. Okay? When Moses held the staff up, Joshua was victorious. When he would draw her the staff, Joshua would get his butt whooped. And so they would hold the staff up. Who would hold the staff up? Aaron. Okay? Why? He put that in the case. You know what else is in the Ark of the Covenant? It's a big box. Got angels hanging over. You know what else is in there? There was a pot. A little pot. Clay pot. You know what was in that pot? Insect poop. According to scientists, you would call it manna. I would call it my daily bread. The law of the Lord, the staff that showed God's concern over the incidentals of life, and what? Your daily bread. And it is in a box that on top is what? Called the mercy seat. Interesting concept, don't you think? I thought so. Tomorrow is the Sabbath of servants. We'll drop down to verse 23. <clears throat> Holy Sabbath to Yahweh. Bake and you will bake. Boil and you will boil. All that is left over put aside and keep until morning, Sunday morning. So they put it aside until the morning as Moses had ordered and it did not become foul nor were there any worms in it. Moses said, eat it today for today is the Sabbath to Yahweh. Today, you will not find it in the field. Because what did they do? It's Saturday. I need to go out and do what? 
Dig it up. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. That's what is amazing to me because I, I watch people struggle with, was it six literal days? Six days creation, or was it like a million years each day? Nah. God doesn't say work for six million years and take the seven millionth year off. He says, you guys can't get it when I make it simple. It came about on the seventh day that some of the people went out and gathered. And guess what? There wasn't any. Go figure. Drop down. 31. House of Israel named it manna. It was white. Tasted like wafers and honey. I like that. It was good. Verse 32, this is what the, that Yahweh has commanded. Let the omer full, okay, two quarts of it be kept throughout your generations that you may see the bread. Okay, he's basically saying, you know what, you need to remember this. You need to pay attention to this. See the bread that I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Moses said to Aaron, take a jar, place that omer full of manna in it, and place it before Yahweh and it to be kept throughout all of the generations. We need to keep reminding each other. That's what he's saying. As Yahweh commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony as to be kept. The sons of Israel ate manna 40 years. 40 years until they came and inhabited the land and they ate manna until they came into the border of the land of Canaan. Okay. And in case you were wondering what two courts is, it is a tenth of an ephah. There you go. In case you thought I was making it up. Chapter 17. Then the congregation of the sons of Israel journeyed by stages from the wilderness of sin according to the command of Yahweh and he camped at Rephraim and there there was no water and the peep for the people to drink. So here we go. And the people got ticked off. Why? They're only getting food twice a day and they're getting enough that they can put two quarts together. Okay. Yet, therefore, the people quarreled. The word literally means they, they, they brought accusations against Moses. With Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you tempt? Why do you test Yahweh? Verse 2, the people thirsted there. They grumbled against who? Moses. And they said, why have you brought us up here out of Egypt to kill us? Our children, our livestock, and our thirst. You're going to kill us. God's providing and you're just making it tough for God. Moses, here here is the key to spiritual leadership in verse 4. You want to be a spiritual leader, verse 4 has got it covered. He cried out to Yahweh. (laughs) He cried out to Yahweh. Listen, it is very easy for me in this day and age to see who is spiritual leadership. Okay? Who do they cry out to? Who do the people turn to? Is it a new job? A new boss? A new resume? A new job situation? You got two million people camping in the desert and they're ready to uh, kill you. Who are you going to turn to? monsterjob.com I need a new job I need a new relationship nope what shall I do with this people a little more and they will stone me listen this is a pattern for Moses this is funny because I listened to what was that book that came out? It's a couple of years. Prayer of Jabez. You pray this prayer and your boundaries will be expanded or something like that. But I went back through this. Exodus chapter 15, verse 25. Exodus chapter 32, 
verses 30 through 32. Numbers chapter 11, verses 2 and 11. Numbers chapter 12, verse 13. Numbers chapter 14, verse 13 and 19. I see Moses at a pattern. When the problems came, he cried out to Yahweh. You know what's amazing? Have you ever read, uh, there's a book out, it's called Fox's Books of Martyr. And there's a, a text in there about a guy they call Camel Knees. Camel Knees is what the, his nickname was. Okay. And the reason they call him Camel Knees is that he spent so much time crying out to the Lord, he had calluses on his kneecaps like a, a camel. A camel. Calluses on his knees, and they called him Camel Knees. You know his name. Everyone in this room knows his name. You know his brother. Everyone in this room knows his brother. And they call him Camel Knees. His name is James. He's the half-brother of Jesus Christ. He didn't even believe Jesus was Savior, Messiah. You know what's amazing about old Camel Knees? He is the very first pastor of a church on the planet Earth. He was pastor of the First Baptist Church of Jerusalem. Same James as you read in your book. Yep. Same one. But James is smart enough to say, you know what? I am supposed to be a pastor of the church of God, and I didn't even believe in him when he walked among us. Uh, I had probably better spend the rest of my time on my knees. Because look what in verse 5. Yahweh said to Moses, pass before the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel. Take in your hand the staff which I have struck, which with which you have struck the Nile and go. Behold, look what it says. Go before the people. And behold, what will happen? What will happen? Go before the people. You've cried out to me. They want to stone you. Cry out to me. And what will happen when you go before the people? Read your Bibles. What does it say? I will stand before you there. The people will know you're my man. You're my man. I like that. You go and I'll stand there. See, the Lord reinforces the leadership even when the people want to stone him. He answers the people's charge. Look what he says. Let's cruise this through. Go before the people. Take the elders. They'll follow you. Why? They're afraid. I know how that works. You go first. Before. Behold, I will stand before you. Verse 6. There on the rock of Horeb. And you shall strike the rock and water will come out of it and the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And the name of the place is Mashah and Meribah. And that's an interesting terminology. You know what Mashah means? Testing. You know what Meribah means? Contending. What was going on? The people were... Please understand quickly. I want to understand. I want to wrap this thing up quickly. They are not testing God, nor are they contending with God. Please understand that. Who are they testing? Who are they contending with? God's man. God's man. They're testing God's man. Is that God's man? 
I mean, what? What? I mean, you've seen the plagues. You've seen the parting of the sea. You've seen uh, uh, the drowning of Pharaoh's army. You saw him throw a stick into a river and it turned to good water. You always had water. He told you how to eat. He told you how to pick up in the evening. He told you what to save, what to throw away. And now what are you doing? I don't know if this is God's guy. God says, let me tell you something. You are before the people, and I'll stand before you. You won't have to worry about it. I've been in situations in my life, and I sit there and I think about it, and I think, Lord, if I could just shoot one of these people, I could save the rest. But you know what he's shown me? I don't want you to ever defend yourself. I don't ever want you to put up a fight. Trust me, why? You stand before the people, and I'll stand before you. You know what? He's he's never let me down. It says here, because they tested Yahweh, saying, is Yahweh among us or not? They're not testing Yahweh. Who are they testing? They started all along. This this isn't new. This is common. This is common. I showed it to you. Adam and Eve. Noah. Jonah. Just go down the line. All the way back. It's always been that way. God blesses and we screw it up. God says, I'll give you a leader. And we think, I'll run him off. Why? Because I know I'm more spiritual than he is. And you'll see that. Because I want you to look in verses 8, and we'll go through this really quick. 8 and following, then Amalek shows up. Who in the world is Amalek? I don't understand with all they've experienced. Uh, I'll give you these texts. Psalm 95, verses 7 and 8. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. And then I'll drop into here to verse 8. And you sit there and you go, what in the world is going on here? And Amalek. You know who Amalek is? That would be the Amalekites. Okay? Who are the Amalekites? That would be Esau's grandson's people. So it's the line of who? The The Amalek came up and fought against him and referee him. Okay? First time. Listen, this is not a military trained group of campers. They don't know what military is. 400 years. How much military experience do they have? Zero zip nada. This is their first military engagement through verse 13. So Moses calls out to help. It literally in the Hebrew is Jose, the Mexican guy. You think I'm kidding you? It's true. It isn't until him and Caleb go into Canaan and come back out and say, we can whip him, that his name is changed to Ishua. Ishua. Does that sound familiar? The name is Joshua. You know what it means? Do you know what it means? He will save his people. He will save his people. Interesting thought, isn't it? All the way back to Exodus. I'm going to give you a bunch of verses. I want them to go through this, but I've been taking a little long. Their first military engagement, <clears throat> verses 8 through 13. Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 17 through 18, deals with it a little more in detail. The Amalekites are doomed to annihilation. Did you understand what I'm saying? You know who the Amalekites are? Yeah, you do. I guarantee you know who they are. Let me go through some of their... Ponderings. 
They are doomed to annihilations. Numbers chapter 24, verse 20. Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 19. Look what it says in verse 14. And Yahweh says to Moses, write in this book as a memorial and recite it to Ishua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Okay? Okay, verse 16. And Yahweh says, has sworn, and Yahweh will have war against Amalek from generation to generation. All right, so you know what he just said there? I will obliterate this people, and you will never hear from them, but it's going to take some time. It's going to take some time. Nope. Nope. Seesaw's people. Saul failed to destroy them as God ordered in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 2, 3, and 9. David fought and defeated them in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1 through 20. Okay. Hezekiah's day, between 716 and 687 B.C., and they are the descendants of a person that you know. Um, uh, you know him, they're one of their kings as Agag. Agag, he was what? Beheaded by Samuel. Because Saul wouldn't do it. Okay? You know his descendants. Agag's descendants. Haman. Haman. Haman? Yeah. You know Mordecai and Esther? That's Haman. He is Amalekite. He was defeated by the Persians. The Amalekites were defeated by the Persians. They were defeated by the Muslims. They've been defeated by everybody they ever walked against. Mordecai has them obliterated except for 400 of them. Except for 400 of them. You know them as the Palestinians. They're still around. And guess what they're still doing? So it came about and Moses held up his hand and Israel prevailed and he let his hand down. Amalek prevailed. They were picking on the stragglers. The stragglers of the nation of Israel. So Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And Yahweh said to Moses, write it in his book. But understand this, they will come to an end. This is the first time that you have God grooming Israel for a military. And Kadesh Barna, Jose, Hosea. This changes to Joshua. Israel is not a military force, and yet God overcomes them. Because I want to show you what it says. Verse 15 says, Yahweh is my banner. Yahweh is my banner. You know what that means, right? Yahweh Nisi. Yahweh Nisi. And then he swears an oath. He swears an oath. It's funny because the word there is his hand is upon, his hand is toward, his hand is against, uh, and it has to do with the throne. What is the throne? The banner. Who is the throne? Banner. Yahweh. I can give you a bunch of information on Amalek, but I changed my mind. Why? Yahweh is my banner. Yahweh is sworn, and Yahweh has war against who? What's it say? Amalek. And we'll have from generation to generation. Guess what? Still going on. Why? They never obliterated them. They were told to multiple times. Had 400 survivors. Guess what? They're still fighting this day. You got that? You know what happened? Let me ask you a question. 
what profit, what benefit is it to you not to do it God's way? What benefit is it? I'm going to give you food in the morning. I'm going to give you food in the evening. I'll even allow stragglers are going to come into your life and they're going to try to obliterate you as you come through. Don't worry. I'll take care of it. But there are things that you are going to have to do. Let me ask you a question. What benefit is it when you do it your way? None. Absolutely none. You can either bow before his commandments or you can be bowed before his commandments. And it goes back a few years. This is not a new theme. We're preparing to move into a time, a season. Preparing. We're we're already in this book. When we look at a little baby in a manger, it should be stone. It's not wood. Stone. That's what everything in Israel is made out of, a stone. You know what the baby's Hebrew name is? Yeshua. Interesting name, don't you think? He will save his people, but you will know him as Emmanuel. God with us. Fascinating. Fascinating. God says, I'll lay the foundation and you'll see. Listen, he saved his people. But guess what? I'm with you to the end of the age. By the way, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. like it. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you are with us. Thank you that you have saved your people. Thank you that you are our banner. Nisi. Thank you. You provide us our manna daily. Savior. God. May we drink deep of the wealth that you are. And lean full weight as Isaiah on the fullness of you and stand in the grace that is in our Savior, our Lord, our God, to your glory. Father, interesting times. People have stepped into eternity this week that are a part of our life. And Father, yet in this week, You have brought people into eternity. We who are called by your name, let us redeem the time. So those who step out will know they have been touched by Ishua. Father, those who step in will know Yahweh Nisi. To your glory and praise. Amen.